1: Shoots it, deflected, right in, Peter Angelo, save rebound,
0: Stastny, stopped by Peter Angelo. I don't believe that save, Even as Peter Stastny. He can't believe the save that Peter
1: Angelo just made on him as Frankie. might now that maneuver there to stop and rob Peter Stastny. He should get 5-10 to 10 for that. Oh. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. That's right, this is the 100th episode of Tendy Talk. I'm your host, Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. When I started this podcast, I was worried I wouldn't make it past 10 episodes, a milestone most podcasts don't surpass. But here we are. I don't know how long the podcast will go on, but as long as I can keep scheduling guests, I'll keep it going. This week, I chat with Vesna and King Clancy Award winner, two-time Olympian, and two-time All-Star Olaf Kolzig. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Olaf. Olaf, thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast. It's uh, good to have you on.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Good to be on.
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of fun to talk to you because growing up as a goalie in the 90s, um, I don't know why, but it seemed like every time I turned on ESPN, it was either the Flyers or the Capitals on. So I got to watch a lot of you <laughs> as as a young impressional goalie, and I I didn't realize it until I was um, watching some highlight videos. I I always thought my game was uh, somewhat modeled after Cujo because deep in the net, very re, you know uh, responsive. Uh, but it, it wasn't until I was watching some of the videos of you that I went, you know what? I think my game is more like colsicks and that it's you know very much butterfly first but never give up on the play. You're never out of it but at the same time quite flexible and kind of uh cheating on breakaways forcing the guy to to go cross net and pull out that split save.
0: Yeah, it, it worked it worked most of the time except for <laughs> uh when Merrick Malik did it to me in the shootout back in uh, 2005.
1: Yeah, I was know, never like I was
0: never I was never accused of playing deep in my net.
1: <laughs> no, and, and that that's probably where you and I uh, differ, um, and why why I always thought maybe I was more like Cujo's because I was a little deeper in the net. But yeah, you were always out there, not not on top of your crease, but out of your crease.
0: Well, back back in those days, you could you could afford to play that way because I mean there was so much clutching and grabbing, and you mm-hmm. could just focus on the shooter and know that the D man had the guy tied up. So um, there's no way no way uh, that you could play that kind of style
1: in today's game. No, you you couldn't. Um, You know, but, but when we look at your career, I mean, 14 years in the NHL, 13 of them with uh, Washington. Um, But I I think what's really unique about you is, you know, you weren't one of these goalies that they rushed up. You matured in the minor leagues, you know, very much like Corey Crawford did and he went on to have a great career like yourself. Um, But it, I don't know why we don't see more of that with young goalies where we see them, you know, spend a few years in the minors and learn that pro game. Uh, do you think th- it was good for you to spend those years or do you think you could have come up sooner?
0: Well, I, I think I probably could have came up a little sooner. I mean, um, six, seven years is kind of pushing it. Um, <laughs> you know, I was fortunate. I had a very patient organization and, and they believed in me. And, uh, it, but you can't do that nowadays. And in, in, in the salary cap era, um, you know, organizations want cost certain, certain And mm-hmm. I think that's why young guys are getting, are getting rushed up more and more is that they, you know, they can't, uh, they need them to play right away. Uh, right. you know, and really the only young guy you can say that really did that was Mark Andre Fleury where, you know, he, mm-hmm. Maybe spent a little bit of time in in Wilkesbury, but then came right up and, and had some had uh, instant success. But you know, Carter Hart had some struggles after a, a really good year. Matt Murray had some struggles after a couple of good years. It's uh, it, it's a it's a tough jump, and I think is a you have to learn the pro game. Um, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, and as a as an athlete, you need to be able to. Um, uh, keep your mountains low and your valleys high is what I always like to tell my prospects. And once you can, uh, once you can do that and have that uh, those tools to be able to not get too excited when things are going good or get too down when things are going bad, I think that's when you play uh, your most consistent goal.
1: Well, and it's funny because as a Blackhawks fan, I keep watching the Blackhawks and they're trying to let Arvid Sunderbloom kind of mature in the minors, but every time he starts to go on a roll, they get injuries, and they got to bring them up. And not, now he's been playing. You know, had a nice game against uh, Jersey two nights ago. I think it was that I watched it. But it, they're, they're trying to go that that uh, relaxed route with them and let them learn that game. And same thing, um, they, they got that other goalie at Boston playing for Brian DeCord right now. Um, oh God, it's name slipping me. But it, it, some some organizations are trying to go that route where. I, I think the Hawks can get away with it. The, they're in the middle of a rebuild, so if they they don't want to rush anybody up and throw them to the fire, I think and they that's saw the that. Thing. If, if you're in an organization,
0: Dio, yeah. if you're in an organization that realistically isn't going to compete for a cup, then then you know you you have you should you should bring them along slowly. And obviously there are injuries, and and then that's when you bring them up for a taste and see how they're progressing, um, but then send them back regardless of the success success they have send them back and mm-hmm. over time what happens is these athletes they they don't want to get sent down anymore because they've got right. a, a taste of the nhl it's the kids that you bring that that start out right away that you you have up there for a while that you send down and you start having problems with these kids because they don't believe they should be down there and they come down with the wrong attitude and so it becomes a bit of a coach's nightmare and but i think and detroit did it for the longest time uh, when kenny holland was there they would never give their young guys uh, a chance in the NHL right away. They had to play a minimum of one year in the minors, mm-hmm. and I think that was smart. And I think that you really, you really get an appreciation um, when you do finally make it that you don't want to go back. And I know that's what I—that's what happened to me when I finally got my shot. I wasn't—I wasn't happy with just being there. I wanted to stay there, and so mm-hmm. uh, I, I took every day of practice and, and games like. Like uh, they were going to be my last and, and I had to make an impression and because I didn't want to go back to the minors. I'd spent enough time down there.
1: Yeah, I forget which goal it was. It said uh, anybody can make it to the NHL, but uh, not everybody can stay there. Well, that's that. That's
0: uh, yeah, we say uh, anybody can make the NHL,
1: um, but it's 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 the,
0: the staying there is the tougher thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Your background, you know, so some people know about it, but uh, I would say you're you're Canadian by uh, experience, but you were born in South Africa to some German parents, and then moved to Canada as, as a teenager. So you know how in South Africa did, did you learn about this great game of hockey and start playing it when uh, you know it's 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 not really the big sport down there.
0: No, it is not a hockey hotbed. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, a, a buddy of mine turned the uh, the phrase or coined the phrase uh, (laughs) germafricadian that was born in south africa grew up in canada and works in the us so uh i'm I'm officially american now but um no my my parents were uh they were in the hotel hotel industry and and johannesburg is where they started out and uh they got married there and and i came along shortly after and um my dad got transferred quite a bit Uh, we ended up going to copenhagen for a year and then when i was about four he got transferred to edmonton and um you know as a as a guy growing up in Germany he didn't really play the game of hockey he obviously played more soccer but he always when the Olympics were on he always enjoyed watching the game of hockey and mm-hmm.
1: uh moving well, that was back when we had the great east and west German rivalry oh, right. too oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah we had the iron curtain and everything um but he uh when we got to Edmonton obviously you know um you know in, in Canada you're born with skates as soon as you're born you got skates on so he got me. He got me involved in hockey, and um, uh, anybody that grew up playing minor hockey in, in in Edmonton knows that you you start out playing in the outdoor rinks, and and um, so that's where I started. January, you know, middle of the night in Edmonton, it's not balmy, bo- that's for sure. So, <laughs> um, so he got me started, and um, yeah, it's really kind of I enjoyed the game. Uh, the only thing I didn't enjoy, you know, back when you when you're that age everybody has to have a rotation in net and when mm-hmm. it was my turn when it was my turn to go in net um, I was standing there and it was so cold there wasn't a chance in hell that I wanted to get hit by the puck so <laughs> as soon as this kid had a breakaway on me I, I I went and hit behind the net because I did not want to get hit with this <laughs> puck and so uh, it's kind of ironic that I ended up having such a great career in the NHL as a goalie but um, yeah not uh, not when you're four years old you want to get hit with a frozen puck I don't think you want to get hit with a frozen puck at any age.
1: So, you know, you mentioned, you know, youth hockey, that they have the rotation, but at what point were you like, you know what? Goalie is where I want to be. I don't want to skate out anymore. I just, I want to be the last line of defense.
0: Yeah. So I think it was playing peewee hockey and I was a defenseman. Um, and uh, we had a game our goalie for whatever. I don't know if, if, if Folks got in a car accident or something. Uh, he didn't make the game, and they needed somebody to fill in, and I volunteered and I ended up having a great game, I had a shutout, and everybody's patting you on the back. and And after that game, I thought, you know what, this isn't a bad idea. This is kind of cool. <laughs> it wasn't until I got until I got shelled that I maybe thought, well, maybe this isn't such a good idea. But um, that right around when I was ten years old is when I when I started playing goal consistently.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny on how uh young goalies they all like it, those early games when they play well. And they're like, Yeah, this is fun. And then then you get that game where you get shelled and you're you start second guessing your your life decisions.
0: <laughs> That's when you start developing thick skin at that age. It,
1: it, exactly. <laughs> you know, but you stuck with it, and obviously it, it was a good good decision uh to, to stick with goalie. Um, but when you're playing junior hockey you did something i think even still goalies are dreaming of but back when you did it it was kind of a pipe dream you know sure ronnie hexall had done it but you you took the net puck from behind the net and sent it uh to the other end and and put it between the wickets and scored a goal um and i watched the video you know the the whole bench they came out and mobbed you but i'm not going to ask the silly question of where where are you aiming for that goal because clearly you were with the, the way you shot it but uh in that situation, were you thinking, worst case scenario, I clear the zone, or did you really think you had that chance?
0: I, I was going for it. Um, you know, I, I grew up a Hextall fan. Um, I was actually using, at the time, I was using Hextall's Victoriaville pattern. Um, and, and you know, back in the day, I, ha- I handled it pretty well, the, the puck. And um, I'd like to say I, I threw it 10 feet in the air, and it landed center ice and, and went in. But... <laughs> I actually got it about two and a half feet off the ice. One of my forwards actually had to lift his leg in order for the puck to go by him, <laughs> and then it just curled on the inside of the left post. But um, the, the 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 funny part about that story is that um, th- that was that was the year that I I went to my first NHL training camp, made the team out of camp, was there for about a month before I got sent back to junior. And when I went back to junior, I went back with. Um, not a bad attitude. I went back with the wrong attitude. I thought, you know, Hey, I made the NHL. I should be able to stop everybody down here. And, and you realize pretty quick that, um, guys in the NHL know how to do their job and the guys in the Western league do not. And so I'd be more aggressive on shots and I'd be getting beat back door and, and I just wasn't having any success. So this was one of my, one of my brighter nights. I, I, I think I'd stop you know, 35, 40 shots. I had an assist. I had a roughing penalty uh, I ended up scoring a goal and the bench cleared, <laughs> like you said, and and he had a Gordy
1: Howe hat trick. for a goal. He had a Gordy
0: Howe <laughs> hat trick. And so the next day, uh, it made sport George Michael's sports machine, which back in the day was a big. Yeah, I remember that highlight show deal on NBC, and and uh, so the next day I got a call from our director of player personnel, Jack Button, and Jack. If anybody know who Jack was, he passed away a number of years ago, but Jack was a pretty. Uh, no BS kind of guy. And and he called me up and, and he said, Hey, I heard you, you had a pretty, uh, you had a pretty special night last night. I go, yeah, Jack, it was awesome. I had an assist, uh, you know, um, uh, I got a roughing penalty, scored a goal guys, you know, clear the benches. He goes, Oh no, I watched it, you know, on George Michael's sports machine. That's, that's pretty cool and everything. But he goes, um, the last time I checked, we drafted you to stop the puck, not score goals. And so far this year, you haven't done a very good job of that. And I tell you, that brought me down to earth so quickly. I don't think I handled the puck the rest of the year. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty sobering conversation. But um, uh, anyway, it couldn't take, couldn't, take, couldn't take that special night away from me. And, um, yeah, it'll always be a part of history because I'm the first Western lady to do
1: it. Yeah. No, <laughs> leave it to a coach to uh, rain on a parade like that, you know, one of those crazy moments that every goalie dreams of um, – But do do you think, you know, like you said, you were sent down with, as you said, the wrong attitude and talking about letting young players mature in the minors. Do you think that experience having done it yourself um, has helped you deal with some of these younger players in your current position and knowing how to talk to them?
0: 100%. I've, 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 I think I've gone through every, phase a professional ice hockey player could go through um, first round draft pick made the NHL out of training camp got sent back to junior didn't see the NHL again for another four or five years um, spent a little bit of time in the East Coast League uh, won a championship at the East Coast League level at the American League level uh, didn't have a lot of success early in my NHL career it took me a while before I got my first win and then I went on an unbelievable run. Um, the first year I became a starter, we went to the Stanley Cup Finals. I played in a couple All-Star games. I won a Vesna Trophy. I mean, I ran the gamut. And so mm-hmm. when I talk to these kids, I'm like, you, there's 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 not a thing you can tell me that I haven't experienced. And um, I think the kids really appreciate it because it, it, it comes from a guy that that literally has experienced it all. And um, and so when I'm talking to them, I'm not you know blowing smoke up their butt. I'm actually letting them know you know what what to expect or you know this is the reason why we're doing it um Mm -hmm. and uh you know more times than not the the guys appreciate it
1: well and like you said having been through it 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 helps you connect with them you understand the emotion so that when when you do talk to them it's not just lip service um
0: well the other thing is too now and they tell them too because now you're on the other side of the door and I tell them, you know, as a player, you always think you're getting screwed by the coach. Um, coach has got it out for you, you know, and, and I, I say that that's the exact opposite. Um, every player has a plan. There's a plan for every player in the organization. And because we're sending you to the coast or because we're sending you to the American League or because we're sending you back to junior, there's a reason why. Um, it's not because we don't like you. It's not because we don't think you can play. Every player has a different developmental um projection and some guys mm-hmm. develop quicker some guys takes a little longer and and so we, we we tell them hey we're not we're because we're sending you to the coast doesn't mean we're forgetting about you uh, there's a reason why we're sending you to the coast and then you explain to them why and and so they got a better understanding you know they come into the meeting a little bitter a little down a little like i don't know what's going on and then they leave the meeting with a little bit better feeling a little bit better about themselves and, and the reason why we did it
1: well and i think more goalies are starting to realize you know, if they're three or four on the depth chart, and you send them to the coast, it's not because you don't like them. It's because they're going to play more at the coast than if they were at the AHL or you know s- skating with the big club. They're not just that healthy scratch every game. They're they're going to get uh, the games, and I, yeah. I think I think that understanding is starting to filter down through goalies. I, I remember when my nephews were trying out for teams, and they would be that bubble kid, and they wanting to make the A team, and they make the B team, and I go wouldn't you rather be on the B team? They go, no, I want to be on the A team. So well, why you're, you're going to be that fourth line guy, rarely seeing the ice when it counts said on the B team, you're going to be the guy you're yeah. going to get the, then, that and ice then, time. Do, and,
0: and then when you do make the A team, you're going to have more problems. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. And it's like, well, maybe that's what the coaches were thinking here. It's better for your progression to be that guy on the B team. And I think more and more kids are starting to understand that, but not to the level they should.
0: No, no. And I don't think they ever will. I mean, it's, no. you know, when you get drafted, obviously your, your first thought is making the NHL and you want to get there as quickly as possible. And, you know, I, I, I explained to them, hey, I was a first round pick and it took me seven years before I became a, a, a number one goalie. So, yeah. um, you know, just it takes time and um, just bide your time and, and and learn as much as you can and develop and, and if, if you're good enough, you're going to play.
1: Yeah, It's hard. Once they get a taste for that uh, game day buffet, it's hard for them to go back.
0: Ooh. And the charter flights <laughs> and all that. Yeah. You, know, you name it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Once they get a, a taste of that, it's like, how, how do you go back from there? Um, You know, and w- when I look back at, at your time in the NHL and kind of when you came up, I mean, we talked about guys in front of you. I mean, there was a, guy by the name of Don Beaupre playing for the Capitals, you know, d- during the, your early time with the organization, it's like, no, no wonder that they, they hid you down in the minors for a while. Cause it's, he, he was no slouch by any means.
0: No, he was, he was, he, it was probably some of his best years of goal playing for Washington. And, and, and I, I really got to appreciate Donnie. Um, he was one of those veterans that, that never felt threatened. Um, would We would talk, uh he would you know kind of guide me around um and i've got a lot of i got a lot of respect for for don beaupre obviously as a goalie and what he's done but more so as a person
1: i I was gonna ask if he kind of helped be a mentor and kind of uh i I think it was yogi bear talked of his predecessor with the yankees when he said uh, he taught me his experience uh, so did Donnie teach you his experience best he could?
0: To an extent. Yeah, it was more it was more what to expect as a, as a pro and, and what you know what you need to do and, and um, you know, preparing you for getting sent down, um, which at the time I didn't think I was going to get sent down. I mean, I made it at, at 19 years old in the NHL and that's the last thing I thought out of, but when I did get sent down, I did listen to what he, what he had to say. And, um, you no, know, he was, like I said, he was, he was great. And when I came back to the next training camp, we talked and, you know, asked how my year went and, you know, why did the year go the way it went and this and that. And so we always had good conversations.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm sure you, because your role, you're aware that his son Connor is the, uh, Minnesota wild e-bug these days. So the, the family's still in the game a little yeah. bit. Yeah. In fact, I, I had Connor on. Yeah. The podcast, no, I heard that. It was great. Yeah. When, when I first, early on in the podcast, and Connor's a fun guy, I've been talking to him. It's like, we got to get your dad on the podcast. And <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, but it, it will. Um, but being up here yeah. in Minnesota, I love flying out of Terminal 2 because they got a nice little wild bar and they got uh, Don's um, Capital's mask actually in a case Did at the bar it? there. Yeah, oh, I've how, never been. was a goalie? Do I not? Uh,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. How how do I not go by that bar just to look at the goalie masks?
0: <laughs> well, I'll remember to go next time I'm in the, the airport, and I got a little bit of a layover to find that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's in Terminal Two, so it's you know, unless you're flying Southwest or Sun Country, um, you, you got to take the tram over to that one. But it's it's worth the tram ride. Just yeah, for the, no, the wild I got theme bar. Right
0: now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I just liked when I was talking to Connor and uh, he was saying that uh, when they had the stadium series here and uh, the wild reached out to his dad and he's like, well, I don't know. He th- he thought he was too old for it. And he goes, uh, 10 minutes later, does Gil Malak call him up saying, yeah, I'm going to play. Are you going to play? And he goes, at that point, he kind of felt pressured into playing. If, if uh, Malak was playing, how how could he say no? <laughs>
0: He played. He played a few years ago. We had the outdoor game. Uh, well, we had a veterans game. Yeah, uh, not veterans. Alumni game against Pittsburgh. Uh, when we played in Pittsburgh, I forget what it was. The number 2015, 14, something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember Donnie played for for the Caps. I haven't. I and I won't either. I, I haven't put I haven't put the pads on since my last game. I've had too many surgeries and. And I know once I'm in the net, I get competitive again. And I don't want to do something where I'm going to have to go back under the knife to repair what I, you know, what I but tore.
1: Have you thought about being like Eddie Balfour or some of these other goalies who you don't play goalie, but you skate out? Oh, I do.
0: I do. I do. In, in, in okay, you know, I'll do an alumni. We'll do an alumni thing at uh, development camp and, and I'll be like a stay-at-home defenseman or power forward. Or, no, yeah, no, I do that yeah. for sure.
1: With uh, the Stadium Series game in Raleigh this year, are they going to have an alumni game there? I haven't heard. Yeah, I haven't heard. That's... They didn't have
0: one. They didn't have one when we played Toronto and, at uh, uh, Navy Naval Academy, and we didn't have one when we played Chicago in DC. So I'm not sure if they're not getting, which I find hard to believe because we do have a lot of alumni that do play in these games. So, mm-hmm. I, and I know Chicago's alumni is huge. Um, yeah, maybe. Well, obviously Toronto's is huge, I'm not, I'm not sure about why, uh, why Carolina or why we're not having it.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that's a game I'm looking forward to because uh, my dad actually lives uh, just east of Wilmington, two hours away on one of the coastal islands. And he's like, all right, I've got tickets. You need to fly in, bring the boy. And so uh, I'm, I'm planning on being at that game in February.
0: Well, that will be fun. It'll
1: be yeah. It'll it probably it won't will...
0: be too cold, but it'll be nice. No.
1: No, because uh, my folks were in town the, this last year over the Winter Classic uh, in Minnesota. And I thought about getting tickets. I had them in the cart and I was ready to hit, you know, uh, purchase. But I was like, God, two grand for three tickets to sit outside in January in Minnesota. Oh. I'm like, ah, I don't know. And I went, it's it's going to look really good on my, eight, you know, 80-inch flat screen in oh, the front room I'm, where it's warm. I'm... and. So 100%. I chose not to, and that that was the right choice. Since it was what like twenty below zero, um, but uh, dad dad went to the game at Wrigley. I had tickets to that one as well, but my son was just born, and uh, decided probably not best to leave my wife home with two young children on New it's, Year's Day yeah, to go out of town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. I'll, I'll be going to the win in Raleigh though, and that that'll be fun. And like you said, probably not too cold. Uh, as a Minnesotan, I, I might be the fool out there in a sweatshirt because I'll think it's balmy at that time of year. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that'll be fun though. I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, you, you know, might, as you, you mentioned,
0: might be, you might actually wear a tank top.
1: Might maybe who knows? Uh, you know, especially if if the uh, beer is flowing, who knows? <laughs> um, well, I, I don't think be? they're going to have about- to. I don't don't think they're going to have to worry about the beer freezing in the cans like they did in Minneapolis this year. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, there, there were pictures of people. Oh. yeah, there there were pictures of people with their cans of beer, and it was just like slush, frozen over. Because um, it cold. was like I said, it was twenty below plus wind chill. Um, but my my son was a Boy Scout, and they, they said there's no such thing as uh too cold just underdressed
0: true true i guess uh, yeah. i would not i would have found a, i would have found a way to not play in that game that's for sure that would have brought <laughs> me back to my, my edmonton days hiding behind the net and not wanting to get hit by the puck
1: <laughs> yeah i uh i'm glad i didn't go um so you know you'd mentioned you know no winner two-time olympian all of that good stuff but again for the Olympics, you competed for Germany. Uh, You know, you you kept that German citizenship uh, for all those years so you could could compete for Germany. Um, Was that more for your parents? Was, you know, what was the thought process behind that and not trying to go out for Team Canada? So
0: we never, we never became, I'm not sure why we never became Canadian. We're always considered landed immigrants in Canada. Uh, So I'd always had the German passport. I'd never... I mean, that was back when, you know, the NHL, they didn't have their players playing in the Olympics. So it never even dawned on me that, that maybe one day it'd be a possibility. Um, Yeah. But the year I got drafted in 89, I actually got invited to the Canadian world junior uh, hockey teams training camp in Kitchener in, uh, in the summer. And so I was there for the whole week and, um, at the end of the at the end of the camp we were in a classroom and we're filling out visa applications because i think it was in the in uh, czechoslovakia at that time uh that's where the tournament was going to be held so we were filling out these these forms and i put my hand up I called the guy over and i said hey my uh i've got too many numbers on my passport for for the slot that you guys have here and he's like oh so i handed him my passport and everything and he goes you're german i go yeah i go I've always been german and they came knocking on my dorm door <laughs> about 20 minutes later and said, well, I'm sorry, you're ineligible to play for us. We had no idea you were, were you were German. I'm like, yeah. I go, well, thanks for the t-shirt and the shorts. And and, you know, and that was that. But um, yeah, because just, I think I would assume because I grew up in Canada that I'd have a Canadian passport and I just never, we never, my parents never applied for it. But, but then-, then it was obviously, and when the Olympics came around, um, you know i had a green card in the u.s uh, i really didn't have any thoughts of getting my my u.s citizenship and then the olympics came around and i actually had to tell somebody so stefan ustorf uh who's the guy that we drafted from germany um came to camp and we were talking and i told him you know i'm, I'm german and he's like oh that's yeah he goes i heard about you you're growing up in canada and this and that. i go no no i'm german he goes what do you mean you're german i go why the german passport he goes, you have a German passport? I go, yeah. So he got on the phone with with somebody from the national team. Two weeks later, I got the call to go to uh, to go play in the World Cup of hockey. Um, so it was funny; nobody really knew what my nationality was. Like in the, in the in the proper country, like Canada thought I was Canadian, Germany thought I was Canadian. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, the rest was history after I I went and played uh, in the World Cup in '96 and. Um, played in Nagano in 98. I think I played in the World Championships in 97. Uh, I got invited to play in Salt Lake, but I hurt my knee right before the Olympics. Um, so I wasn't fortunately didn't play there, but then I played in uh, in Italy in uh, in 2000 2002? No, 2004. No, 2006. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 2006. Yeah. yeah. So but I was then- I was hoping I was hoping to stick around be available for the for the uh, 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, but my body said you'd had enough, and I had to unfortunately I had to retire.
1: <laughs> yeah, so sometimes the body tells us uh, the, the mind says we can still do it, and the body goes, "But can you? Can you really?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but you for had sure. mentioned, you know, now now you're a U.S. citizen. Um, what what made you want to get that citizenship?
0: Well, I think it was more for. for for family, uh, estate planning. Um, you know, I've got three kids that, that were born in the, in, in the U.S. Uh, my wife's American. Um, it, just, it just made, you know, I was done playing hockey for Germany. Yeah. Um, it just made sense for all the right reasons.
1: Right. No, that, that, that makes sense. Um, and so, you know, you can pick on the Canadians now because you never had that Canadian citizenship too.
0: I cheer for both. And then, you know, when they when they play in the finals, I just kind of become neutral and just hope for a good game.
1: Well, and having talked to, you know, guys that have played in the NHL, you know, in, in your shoes, you know, you almost stop cheering for teams and you start cheering for individuals and just good play.
0: Unfortunately i I'm still employed by the caps, so I've got a I've got to cheer for them. But, um
1: Well yeah. No, you're yeah, right. Exactly. You're right. I mean
0: I I enjoy, you know the game of hockey is so is so exciting. Um now I'll put on ESPN or TB T N T at, at night and there's always some great matchup and, and the games end up being exciting. So uh yeah, I'm just a fan of the game. Um obviously yep. the caps are my favorite, but um I'm a fan of fan of the game of hockey.
1: Same. Same, you know, I grew up in Chicago, so the Blackhawks are the team I, I root for. But if there's a good game on TV, I don't, don't care what level it is, as, as long as it's a good game. And and if it's a, a route, I just hope one of the goalies is playing well. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, uh, got to look at the right notes here. Um, one of the things you started when you were playing was uh, supporting autism awareness uh and that was because as i read you know one of your children has autism so obviously it was an easy jump for you to to get into that but uh what what has that really meant to you and being able to bring awareness to for autism
0: well i think it's i think it's probably one of the more one of the more important things that i've done um you know, my son was diagnosed in 2002. He was only 15 months old. Fortunately, we had a we had a very educated pediatrician that, that saw some signs when he went in for his 15 month appointment. And you know, at the end of the appointment, he suggested we go to the uh, All Children's Hospital in uh, in DC and uh, get a formal diagnosis for autism. And 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 at the time, you know, when you thought of autism, you thought of Rain Man. And mm-hmm. You know, when you when we when you hear those those words that, that your son has autism, all of a sudden all the dreams that you have for him, you know, he's gonna follow my footsteps playing hockey and and doing all these things that fathers and sons do and and uh like sort of that your dreams sort of get dashed and and um you know, you you're just you start you're caught in, in a bit of a nightmare. Well, mm-hmm. you only find out that that's just part of the nightmare. The 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 other half of the nightmare, and probably the toughest part, is trying to figure out what to do for, like what what interventions, what resources do you need to get, need to get for your son. And and I guess the example I use, and it's not really a good example because one is life threatening, the other isn't. But when you're diagnosed with cancer, you're you know the routine, or they, there's a certain uh, protocol on, on 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 how to get treated for it. Well, with autism not all, not all, uh, uh, interventions or, or treatments work the same way for each child. So it's different combinations for, for each individual child and, and trying to find those, especially trying to go on the internet and you're just, you're just overwhelmed. And so, um, I was lucky that I was put in touch with Scott Mellenby, whose son Carter is autistic and, and Scott had gone through it, you know, a number of years before I had. And so he kind of was my, uh, was my guide. Um, and and he didn't sugarcoat it. He said it was going to be hard. It's going to be probably Mm -hmm. the hardest, hardest times of your life. Um, but he also said that it's going to be some of the most gratifying. And, Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so we, we started this foundation, uh, Carson Kolzak foundation in wanting to help guide parents in the right direction, because we knew how hard it was ourselves when, when, we were first told about the diagnosis and, and um, maybe try to make it less, a little less of a nightmare for them. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, with the, with our foundation over the years, we've been able to help fund uh, responding to autism center here in the uh, Eastern Washington state area. Um, and that's helped service a lot of, a lot of kids over the years. We've just started a, uh, um, an adult training um, class now where, where these, you know, cause when we started the center, we're bringing in these young kids like my son's age. Well, my son's 21 now. And so what do you do when these, when they become adults? So now we're, we're training them and giving them the tools to be able to integrate into the workplace. Mm -hmm. And and so we've had, we've had a lot of really good response and and a lot of success with it. And, um, and at the end of the day is, you know, people ask me what, what, what's your favorite, your favorite moment in hockey or, or, or memory. And I I tell them it's when I won the, uh, the King Clancy for, for leadership on and off the ice, and and I think, and they asked, "Oh, really? Not the Vez?" And I go, yeah. "I mean, it's it's you recognize, plans. So you're recognized for what you do away from the game, and I think as a as a person, that's probably more important. So, um, mm-hmm. that is my biggest my biggest award as far as uh, the game of hockey is concerned. And and um, again, it's we're fortunate as athletes we have a platform where we can, um, we can do a lot of good. Um, you know, some of these athletes decide to use their platform for political reasons. And I, uh, I kind of shake my head with that because I think we can we can do a lot better, um, have more of an impact, um, but to each their own. And, and I'm I've been happy with what I've been doing.
1: Well, onto to your point, uh, you know, uh, Washington Capital goalies are continuing to, to give back to the community. It was a Tarsie Kemper was uh, part of the October Saves program this year and helping raise money for that group. Uh, which Kemp's is Kemp's awesome. A,
0: yeah, he's a world class guy. Before him, uh, Braden Holpe was was so involved in in the community. He was a big LGBTQ advocate. Um, You know, he went he, he walked in the in the pride parade. Yep. Um, he was he was involved with a lot of things. Um It's I, I would like to say the Caps in general are, are a great organization when it comes in terms of community service and giving back and. Uh, And I think it speaks volumes
1: about the organization. Absolutely. And, you know, I I think we're seeing more hockey players, you know, to your point, focus on causes like that and that aren't necessarily political. It's just things, things they can do to help raise money for good causes, um, which why wouldn't you? Uh,
0: (laughs) Why wouldn't you You try to make someone else, someone's life just a little bit better?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, as I tell my kids every day when they go to school, be kind, be treat, kind, and treat, do good.
0: Yeah, treat people the way you want to be treated.
1: Yeah, um, which I, I went to Catholic school literally my whole life from preschool through college, so I always had the nuns and the brothers reminding us. You know, I went from middle to, school,
0: middle school on. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you know, sometimes I, I, I joked with the brothers and college, but I was like, you know, those nuns always told us to treat others the way we want to be treated. But they were walking around with the ruler, walking us with, with the people. ruler. Yeah, so, <laughs> like if we did that to them, what what would happen to us? <laughs> right. <It'd be
0: laughs> and you uh, cancel nowadays?
1: Yeah. And the brothers found the humor in it, but they always said, "Don't don't bring that one up to to the sisters. They mm-hmm. they won't find the humor in it." For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So... One of the other things I always found, I, whenever I watched the games on ESPN again, especially when you guys were playing the Bruins, they always brought up your friendship with Brian Defoe and the fact that you two were good buddies and in each other's weddings, all of that. How is it playing against one of your best friends that happens to play for one of your rivals? Because I've played against friends that played for other teams, but they weren't necessarily on my rival. Uh, what was it like having him over there so
0: the timing the timing had it have been 15 years earlier when he was playing for the Portland Winterhawks I was playing for the Tri-city Americans I didn't like Byron much back back in the late 80s um, mm-hmm. he was you know I always thought he was a very arrogant guy mm-hmm. and pretty boy <laughs> and and so had that a uh, situation in Boston happened back then I think it probably would have been a little bit more physical than the one we had in Boston but Uh, we both got drafted together. Um, we both went over to, uh, uh, Russia for our first training camp. We were one of the first NHL teams to do that. And him and I were the only two rookies that went over there. So we became, I went in there not with an open mind, but I figured, all right, I'll give this guy a chance. And we ended up becoming best of friends and, and, uh, you know, we were roommates for a couple of years. Um, we were best men at each other's weddings. We're godparents to each other's sons, uh, both of our sons are autistic, uh, so we've got a lot of a lot of things in common. Um, but that night, that night was uh, in Boston. Um, you know, we we just come off the year before we went we went to the finals. Uh, we didn't have a very good start to the season. I think we got you know, we, were, we were like four or five games under five hundred. Um, the game didn't start out well. We were down two nothing early and uh we had Craig Berube and Dale Hunter and Mark Tenorti and well they thought they wanted to change the pace of the the play a little bit so they uh I think Don Sweeney went behind the net with the puck and and Craig Berube went right after him and all of a sudden it was a five-on-five melee and and I remember um Jesse Belanger who was, was Boston's tough guy he he got into it with with Dale and And, uh, I felt like I had to help the little guy out. So I, I skated (laughs) down and, and, and tried to get Jesse off of hunts. Well, next thing I know, I got Byron on my back. I turn around and I'm like, Oh no. And so we were, we started squaring off and all, all we did was just kind of, you know, dance around a little bit and we were smiling the whole time. And and I remember (laughs) we were right by Boston's bench and, and, and I remember somebody said, and not the same words I'm going to use here, but, um, you know, you two, you two guys stop smiling and start throwing them. Those weren't the exact words that we use, but, um, and so Byron all of a sudden got a surge and he grabbed my Jersey and he pulled it over my head. And I just remember telling him, Byron, don't you dare, don't you dare <laughs> and, and his credit. He never did. And, and so we just, we ended up getting the, 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 the dance broke up and, and, um, it wasn't until that summer I had a, I had a cherry golf tournament here in town and, and Byron came and, and, We got to people got to talking with us and and they asked about the fight and and who won. And and I said, Well, it was we didn't nobody really threw a punch or anything, it was just kind of a dance. And and, and I I said, Byron really wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't have wanted to, to have it be a real fight, this and that. And the little bugger pulls out his wallet and he had this newspaper clipping and it was from the Boston Globe on the front of the sports page. And it had the exact picture of him having my jersey over my head with his fist cocked. And all he said was, pictures say a thousand words, so you guys decide on who you think won the fight.
1: (laughs) What are friends for, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So before I – I always end every episode with a list of 10 questions I've asked every guest. But before I get to those, I want to touch on one more thing, your masks. You started out with that great Uncle Sam mask, and then – you switched to the Godzilla mask. Um, Did you think that was going to become, you know, one of those iconic masks? We were fortunate as goalies in the nineties to have great masks like yours, Balfour's, Waz, Van Beesbrook, Crickup's, Cujo, you know, all these great masks and yours is one of them. Did you think the first time you saw that mask, it was going to be one of those where, okay, that's the one you got to wear for the rest of your career. And you were going to have other kids replicating. I mean, one of the kids I coach at the high school level had the Zilla mask, you know, in his school colors. It was one of those that other people wanted to replicate. Did you think it was going to be one of those?
0: Uh, I didn't at the time because I think in order to, to say you had an iconic mask, I think you have to back it up with your play. And, and like I said, early on, I wasn't, I wasn't playing as well as I, I eventually did. So um, the mask obviously didn't get a lot of airtime, but, the evolution of that mask. So yeah, the uncle Sam, I love the uncle Sam mask. And, um, um, you know, Godzilla wasn't even in my, I wasn't even in my back of my mind. I was playing my third year pro and I was in Rochester, New York. I'd gotten loaned out playing for Rochester and I was really, really having a good year. And I remember, uh, one home game I came out and, and one of the fans had these signs that nobody beats Godzilla. And, uh, because I, you know, I was a fiery, fiery player. Wore my emotions on my sleeve. If things didn't go my way, sometimes I'd break my stick and, you know, a temper tantrum, all this stuff. But um, so anyway, it just kind of after that it just kind of stuck and got shortened to Zilla. And and I remember the first version. I was in Portland, Maine. I still had my uncle, Uncle uh, uh, Sam mask. And I remember this first version of we we're trying to do something as long as far as Godzilla. It ended up looking like that cartoon dinosaur Barney remember that (laughs) yeah so I'm on the ice wearing it and my teammates god bless them somebody had mentioned it to the uh to the guy in charge of the music so warm-up started what do you think the first warm-up song was (laughs) I love you you love me and so I never wore that mask again so when we had like version two came it wasn't we probably went through about four or five versions before that, the fire breathing uh, Godzilla on my forehead was finally the final product. And um, yeah, it, it, you know, like I said, I started having success, went to the finals and um, yeah, it was, I, I really, I was really uh, prideful of that, of that mask. And even when I went play that one year in Tampa, um, I basically incorporated the same logo with palm trees and, and, mm-hmm something else. But that season was to me was a waste of time anyway. And so um uh yeah it's still hanging up on my wall, but it's it's not one of my more my favorite masks, let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. No, I, I I get that. Um so like you said I, I end every episode with I used to call them rapid fire questions, but sometimes they bring back memories of other stories and they go longer. But I've asked every guest and you're my one hundredth guest Uh, the same exact questions every single time. So Eddie Belfort, Kelly Rudy, Ronnie Tugnut, they've all answered the same questions. And the first one is, what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days where a coach just lost it?
0: Whew, that's a good one. Uh, I I would have to say Jim Schoenfeld. We were playing in Pittsburgh in the playoffs in, yeah, what year was it, 96? And... We just lost our four overtime game two nights before, feeling pretty down. We were losing the game in Game Six in in, in Pittsburgh to get eliminated. We had a five on five brawl. Weird. The Caps getting another brawl. <laughs> and I remember Shoney, Shoni was ready to fight everybody on Pittsburgh's bench and and challenging everybody in the stands and. And then he ended up getting kicked off the kicked off the bench, and remember waving waving to to all the Pittsburgh fans. Um, I would have to say that would be the craziest ones. I've had some pretty pretty mellow coaches back in the day.
1: I remember I was at a uh, Blackhawks game, got seats right behind the visiting goaltender, and it was that first row right above the Zamboni entrance, and uh, the Hawks were playing the Panthers. Luongo was starting, so I was excited. I got to see him play for two periods, and then the other period, it was Jocelyn Thiebaud, and Mike Keenan was the Panthers coach at the time. Well, he didn't like a call that the refs made, and he threw about seven or eight sticks out on the ice during play, and finally the refs called the play dead so that they could clean up the sticks, but I was shocked they didn't throw him out of the game. It was just like they looked back and was like, Yeah, they're like, well, there's Keenan being Keenan again. <laughs> Let's just clean up the sticks and yeah. carry on. Um, so I remember, well, I remember
0: one. Well, my yeah. junior coach, my junior coach, John Oliver. I remember we were at home in Tri-Cities not playing well, and he didn't he didn't snap a lot, but he finally came in the dressing room and wanted to show he was mad. So he went to kick uh, one of those Gatorade Gatorade jugs. Um, that was sitting in the middle of the dressing room. Well, he thought it was empty. Well, it was full of ice, and so he went to kick it, and he ended up breaking two toes, and <laughs> couldn't even couldn't even have couldn't even have his meltdown moment. He just kind of whimpered off back into the coach's room.
1: <laughs> I had the uh, Tampa Bay e bug on, and he was talking about in juniors. Coach came in before Christmas, upset goes and kicks the uh, Christmas tree, same thing, wound up hurting his foot and, you know, kind of whimpering <laughs> Christmas off. Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. Christmas tree? Well, if I remember the story, the coach was pretty much saying he was canceling Christmas, uh, you know, the, the Christmas break. Guys are going to have to stay home, kick, kick the tree, and, uh, yeah, they, they wound up going on their Christmas break from what yeah. I remember that story. <laughs> so next question what's your favorite all-time goalie mask i mean you had some great ones like we talked about but there, there were other great ones you know e- even in the 70s you know a lot of people talk about Cheevers and dryden you know what's Ooh. your favorite
0: god there are so many of them uh, <laughs> i'm trying to remember the one forget his name it was almost like a. it was like the the it was like the, well, you remember the one, the masks that, uh, oh God, what was the name of the movie? You know, the molded mask where they actually had the, the mold of the nose and yeah. Oh, I'm trying to remember who wore those. Uh, one was like, one was like, a. it was almost like a wolf man. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the goalie, not Stevenson. Um, Uh, it will come. I and mean, then there was one where they had a snake coming through the eye, and
1: oh yeah, I know, I you know when you're the, talking for
0: the about seals. This. Uh, yeah,
1: that one's on all those goalie mask clothes. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. It yeah. Those are talking. really
0: cool. But I, you know what, Cujo's is iconic. I thought uh, Jocelyn Tebow's with the headdress was pretty, yeah,
1: pretty
0: cool. Um, uh, Eddie's the eagle was pretty cool.
1: Yep.
0: Mike Palmateers. With the standard, yeah, that was really sharp.
1: Um, You know what one I always liked that I thought was uh, underrated? Another Capitals goalie, Rick Taberacci or Ricci. Oh, Tabby's, yeah. With with the the battle flag. Yeah. Um, I I just thought that that was one of the nicest masks that we didn't see enough of. And it was on the back of a uh, Fleer hockey card. They had a great picture of it. It's like, God, that's just such a... Perfect mass for
0: that. So Tabby Tabby didn't have a lot of success as a capital, and so that's why you don't, you don't see his mask much. Yeah, so that's why when you talk about iconic masks, it's usually guys that that are successful or you know that are on TV quite a bit. And unfortunately, at that time, Tabby wasn't. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly the mask you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I, I loved that one. I, I was I liked to draw as a kid, I was always drawing that one. I just thought it was well,
0: you know, and and, and Bopes is pretty iconic too with the capital yep. on the top. It was pretty sharp.
1: Yeah and I remember talking to Connor when his dad went to well first of all his dad didn't like to have the team logo on the helmets he wanted he felt there was enough of that on jerseys and everything else he wanted something else and so he had that great one with the Capitals and then when he went to Ottawa the other nation's capital he goes well let's go with the same thing with the Capitol building really and, like and so it's like yeah you know I didn't didn't really put too two and two together even though i think it was kind of obvious when you look at them but uh yeah two, two great masks with the same same idea but different teams yeah um and i mean he had that great great one with the uh, north stars yeah, too, oh, yeah. that people are always kind of replicating here in the twin cities you know I, I see at least one or two of those replicas uh a year playing in the beer leagues here <laughs> um so what's your favorite rink that you've played at
0: my favorite—it's oh, it's a toss-up between the Bell Center and uh, in Montreal and uh, Madison Square Garden. Those are my two, my two favorites. New York, the it's, it's iconic arena. Um, yep. I never got a chance to play in the Forum, in Montreal. I backed up at Chicago Stadium. That I mean, and and the beginning of the game, Chicago Stadium is the best. Yes, That's In the old stadium with the national anthem and everything—that was that gave you chills. Uh, uh, yeah, I would say MSG and, and the Bell Center.
1: Those, those are two good ones. You, you mentioned Chicago Stadium and I hadn't made it to a Hawks game and it was their final year. And me and my sister already knew the truth about Santa Claus. So mom and dad started wrapping presents as they bought them. So, you know, as soon as they got them in the trees up, they're under the tree. And there was a small little box, and I wasn't putting two and two together. Probably because I had already had too many hockey pucks in the head, but it said "To Joseph from Bill Wirtz. and I'm like, "What's in here?" Well, they were tickets to the Blackhawks game, uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, they, they were playing the Dallas Stars, the last uh, year at the old stadium. So I got to go to a game, and I'm all excited. We're in the lower level, and I'm waiting for Eddie Belfour to come up those stairs first. And Jeff Hackett comes out. And I was so upset. And it was funny because when I had Eddie on, I I mentioned it to him. He goes, we were probably feeling the same way because I was upset too because I wanted to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I wound up uh, going to a few more games before the season was over and they closed the place. And I got to see him play in person. But it it was just funny that, you know, I'm all excited. I get to go to the stadium. And, you know, Billy Crystal talks of his first time going to Yankee Stadium and those old stadiums where, you know, all of the – arenas whether it's baseball football whatever you can walk on the concourse and see the playing field or the rink or whatnot from the concourse but in those old places you had to walk through that tunnel and there was just something about walking through that tunnel and seeing ice that white is like just something about it and how big that sheet of ice looked even though the same size sheet I skated on you know, Southwest A Street. It just looked so big with all those seats around. It was well, and,
0: and and those old buildings, you, you felt like the fans were right on top of you too. Not not yeah. like new stadiums now where they're kind of they're fading away from you. There, they were like right on top of you. It was it was definitely a home ice advantage for the home team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what is your favorite stick that you ever used?
0: i'd probably say it was probably the victoriaville one that i used the hextall pattern uh the white with the red the black vic um and, i mean today's i don't think the goalies today could probably lift that stick or <laughs> heavy compared to what those guys use now um, but it was just you know it had a huge toe curve um mm-hmm. you know it had the rounded heel to be able to 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 change the angle of the blade to 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 elevate the puck um yeah that was just you know didn't they didn't have many colored sticks back then and so that was kind of the, one of the first ones and, yeah they,
1: they were one of the first you No, know, and I had
0: just had just had Vic on the on the on the paddle part and it was just yeah I thought it was an iconic stick
1: yeah it, my first goalie stick was a uh white Vic with orange lettering and black outline around it and that that was the association stick and so I think a lot of young goalies use those. And one of my favorite sticks is actually a CCM Colesley pattern. Um, when I was playing college, I, I loved Christian sticks and I was the only one at the school still using them. So I stopped ordering them because all the other guys wanted Coho's or CCMs. And back when they put the old block CCM on the whole paddle, they came back to it. Uh, we had a bunch of them. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll start using these. And I loved that thing. It was great. I I wish I could still find them, but uh, it was one of my favorites. Was oh, that,
0: one. that the one? Was that the one with the Curtis curve?
1: Uh, they did make the Curtis curve. Um, I, I liked the Balfour pattern. In fact, my all-time favorite stick is actually a Cooper Reactor Five Balfour because it was a, a light stick for being a wood stick. But most of those wood sticks, I guess you could almost say the the paddle is almost like a football and that it was rounded, whereas that. Reactor was more flat, and I just liked the way I could handle, you know, hold on to it um, at, at that shoulder there. And uh, I, I think some of the sticks are getting back to that flat yep. front, and and I like it. Um, but I, I still love the the wooden sticks a little bit. Little bit of weight uh, behind it, I, I like it because I know I'm keeping the stick on the ice.
0: Yeah, um, it was actually uh, one of our I'm trying to remember who it was Clay Stevenson, I think one of our prospects. He's got this new Bauer stick. I, I can't can't get over how light it is. Mm-hmm. They've really like they really limit the amount of material they have on the on the paddle. It's like it's it looks like the outline of a regular stick on the back. Uh it, yeah. it's crazy. It's like it just takes nothing to lift these things.
1: Yeah. It, I don't I, like
0: because you know, I need a I need a feel. Like I need to have that. It's like a golf club. I can't have a golf club that's too light. I have to kind of know where it is, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I remember like you said, my association stick was a Vic, but the first stick that I owned was a Titan. And my first airplane. Uh, it was a white one with teal lettering. Uh, ours had the teal, mine had the teal lettering oh, and real. I had to have it because my first team was the Sharks and it matched our jerseys, but it was a senior Titan and I was a squirt goalie. So I show up to my goalie camp and you know, my arms yes, up like is. this, <laughs> the thing is and my goalie coach just looks at me. He's like, that thing is a log. And I still have the stick to this day with the teal tape that went halfway up the paddle, just like Hashik used to do. And uh, my goalie coach is like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you you need a new stick because they're expensive and you just got one. He goes, but when you do get a new one, don't get one this big. Right. But because of that, I still like having that. I like the bigger paddles. I don't need a 27 inch paddle. I'm probably a 25 inch paddle guy, height wise, but I like that taller paddle because of that. Playing back then with that elbow way up high and just that super heavy stick, I, I don't well, like the new probably, ones because probably,
0: of it. it probably forced you to play more upright too, more have more of a presence.
1: It yeah. should have, but I'm not going to say I played more upright. But I, it should have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what's your favorite youth hockey memory?
0: Favorite youth hockey memory um probably oh there's two the one the one year in Bantam when we won the Purelater later Cup which is national championship for Canada and then in midget qualifying for the Air Canada Cup which I think it's called the Telus Cup now uh again uh, qualifying for the for the national championship we didn't we didn't win that year but um because I was playing in the Maritimes, uh I wasn't uh I wasn't really a sought after uh junior recruit. So mm-hmm. we ended up going with that team to Air Canada Cup, which is being held in Ottawa. And I got some you know, uh I was seen by a lot of a lot of teams and then I got I got uh, listed by the new Westminster Bruins back in the day. Now they're the Tri-City Americans. Um, and now I live in Tri-Cities, I own the Americans, and so it's kind of come full circle. But yeah, the one, the one reason we won is at a, as a Bantam, and then the second one is a Midget, because it brought me here to Tri-Cities.
1: So That's a good reason. Uh, so the next question is, what is the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you? This this one always gets some people because they're like, what what can I say?
0: <laughs> god, there's so many good ones, and, and I god, my and my memory is terrible now. Um oh my god. Might have to go back to that one. I might have to think about that one.
1: We can come back to it because the next question is what's the worst post-game beer you've had? Beer? Yeah, worst post-game beer. Is there such a thing as a bad beer as a post-game beer? To to me, the only bad post game beer is a warm beer. I'll still drink it, but it doesn't mean it's good.
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you, know, you know, like <laughs> a, like a, a Mick Ultra. To me, that's that's like carbonated water. That's not considered yeah. a beer. No, I I would say that. Yeah, <laughs> technically, there's really not a bad beer after a game.
1: No, no, and it, I've I've said before those cheap domestic light beers are almost the best because they're they're not as close to water as mcultra but they're they're crisp enough but still mostly water where it's just a good refreshing a of, then, a film. yeah yeah Th- then you go into the parking lot and you have the better beers but uh, right
0: the ipas and the stouts and the yeah
1: yeah yeah i i showed up for a beer league game i was filling in uh about two years ago and somebody offered me a pre-game beer which okay you know one pre-game beer every now and then it's nice relaxes you but they tossed over a stout that was like a 7.8 percent and i just looked at him and said I'm going to save this for after the game because I want to see only one puck.
0: I was going to say, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it's like, it, and I gave the person grief. I was like, who brings a stout for pregame beers? Like, seriously, come on. It's the heaviest beer you can have. And uh, that person learned after that
0: game. I <laughs> probably think you needed to carve up for the game.
1: Yeah, exactly. So when you taped your sick, did you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Toe to heel. Okay, so you're in the minority. Why did you go toe to heel?
0: Uh not really any reason. It just became a it just became a habit.
1: Yeah, well, I when I was, easier.
0: I just found it easier to start from the toe and go to the heel. No rhyme See, or reason.
1: Because I use those Christian sticks that always, you know, they just absorb water in those heels and always just started become a sponge so you'd throw some wood glue in there throw it in the vice I always started at the heel because it's like if I'm gonna mess up anywhere in my tape job it's gonna be at the heel uh because <laughs> you always had to go over the heel with those old Christians. Right. um so what was your favorite number to wear and why
0: I was well I mean ended up being 37 and I 37. kind of you know um yeah the only reason I wore 37 uh, again, is because of Don Beaupre. Uh, I wore 33 w- when I was growing up. I, I you know, I was a big Patty Waugh fan. Um, mm-hmm. you know, other goal or other players on the team had 27, so I couldn't wear that for Hexie. Um, and then when I came to Washington, I wore 33 in junior. And then when I came to Washington, obviously Donnie had it. They gave me 35 and I did not like number 35. And I didn't want number one. And so I just looked at the, I looked at the numbers and 37 just seemed to fill the Jersey out. Yeah. And it just kind of stuck. It, 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 worked. Of it, uh, it wasn't really any rhyme or reason.
1: Yeah, it, it worked. And um, in fact, when I was coaching high school hockey, 37 was the number our, our starting goalie at the time had. And he actually wound up in uh capitals prospect camp a number of years ago, probably 10, 15 years ago. Um, but that, that's what he wore. And because of him, all the kids coming up for a couple of years had to wear that if they were the starting goalie because we only bought jerseys every couple of years and we didn't have 30 or 35 because he chose that one. It was like, all right. You know, all these younger goalies were a little upset with him for a while. That's go. Cool. What's so, his name? Uh, Dustin Carlson. He is with Ohio State now as one of their volunteer coaches and works oh, okay. with their goalies. Okay. Yeah. Nice nice kid. Um, when I, I coached him his senior year and as, as I told him, I really didn't want to do much to him because he he kind of was set in his ways already and he was good. So I was just going to, I was going to not break him. That that was my, my goal with him. He didn't need much coaching at that point. Um, so the last question before we get back, circle back to that chirp one is what advice do you have for young goalies?
0: For young goalies uh, just have fun, enjoy the game. Um, there'll be a time where you need to make a decision, whether you want how serious you're going to take it. And then then that's when obviously um, you got to, you got to become a little bit more regimented and Mm -hmm. working out and and studying the game more, but at this level, just have fun because um, if you take it too serious now, it's not going to be fun for you in the future.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, fall in love with the game because you're having fun. And then once you love the game and you're still having fun and you do become more regimented, it's still fun to you because you love it,
0: right? Right. You become you know. a student of the game, and you want to try to be the best at the at the you know at the position, and yeah. so there's other things that motivate you when you're older. But you know, you're, when you're young, you just have fun. You're playing a game. That's all yeah. it is, you know.
1: Well, here I am knocking on the door. I'm 42, and I'm still a student of the game for my beer league games. So I I guarantee my teammates aren't watching wild games, going, oh, maybe maybe I should. Pay a little more attention to this in my next beer league game. No, they're not, but us beer league goalies, we're always watching, trying to better our game. Well, the game's because, always
0: evolving, right? The the position is yeah. always evolving. Um, you know, players up front, they're they're getting better. They're sh- the shots are getting better, um, and the position's getting. It's it's there's always something, something different that, that...
1: Well, you talk about the evolving. We, we mentioned sticks earlier, but just the equipment. You know, how far it has come from, you know, the late 90s to today. I mean, it, you try giving a kid goalie equipment from the late 90s and they're going to laugh at you.
0: Or the late 80s with the deer hair and the, you know. Like, yeah. Good luck. You're talking was, about absorbing water. Whew.
1: Yeah, my, my yeah. first chest protector was a two-piece. Um, mm-hmm. Why they gave us a chest protector because it didn't offer any protection uh, no. It gave us some false false sense of protection in those pads that were three times the weight after a game. Thank God we had hot water heat in our house with, you know, the radiator in the basement. Because after a game, I would lean those pads against that radiator. And that was the yeah. only way they would dry out was against I that did the radiator.
0: We did the same thing. <laughs> and if I had mistakenly left them in the car overnight, they'd be frozen.
1: Yep. Yeah, it was yeah. just crazy, uh, those pads. and. You know the the old waffle board without the the curve on the top that became so big in the '90s, and that first baseman mitt. It was you it really learned how to catch a puck.
0: Cooper Cooper Thirty One St, or it actually yeah. the cheater it was actually web. Yeah, it wasn't just a part of the part of the glove and the cuff, but it was actually just a separate webbing. It was pretty neat. Yeah.
1: And yeah, I, I loved yeah. when Jeff Hackett had that great Vaughn catch glove with Chicago where he kept that webbing cheater, even though they had the, the solid one, he still had kind of that web. Oh, he he had yeah.
0: a wide like his his glove was open.
1: was. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I loved Belfour as a goalie as a kid, but when they traded him and I got to watch Hackett every every away game because the Blackhawks home games still weren't on TV at that point. Uh, it, he was just so fun to watch. He was a pretty good technical goal. I mean, he was a good goalie for a young goalie to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But and he gets another. It. It. Yeah. An, another great helmet with that, that headdress that he had um, is, yeah. is a nod to Darren, Darren Payne always let it be known that he had that idea first. Uh, but I, I think Hackett's right. mess paint or pulled it off a little bit uh, nicer. <laughs> um, For sure. But so I'll, I'll circle back to that uh, question we skipped the the best chirp uh, you heard.
0: Man, this isn't one of the best ones, but it's a pretty funny. I, um you know, as you got older and you're you start playing against these young guys that come into the league night well nineteen, twenty, and they get a little you know they get a little cocky or whatever and and, um you know you ask yeah you ask them you know how old your mom or what's your mom's name and how old is she and 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 uh you know then you look at them and go i knew there was i knew we'd look familiar and they they just (laughs) kind of sit there and they kind of don't get it at first and then they realize (laughs) that you know your mom might have been the age when i was playing junior hockey you know, yeah. so know that, there's just so many. I, there's just so many of them. like And I can't put one together or think of one because, I mean, they were just. Man. What was yeah. some of the funny ones the other guys said?
1: Uh, I think the best one was um, David Hutchinson of uh, In Goal Magazine. He was talking about uh, one of his son, Maddie's goalie coaches, at one of the workouts, looked at him and said, you must be really good at dodgeball.
0: <laughs> I've heard that one before. Our quotes are saying that in the in between periods sometimes when our goalies aren't playing well.
1: <laughs> yeah, but th- that that's probably been my favorite one thus far. Um right. is you you must be really good at dodgeball. Um one of the other good ones I heard, and this wasn't on the podcast, but um Sean Podine, um his cousin uh was one of my neighbors, and so they, they were at some family gathering and Sean was telling the story after he was traded from Colorado. I forget where he went from Colorado, but all the guys knew he loved his dog and his dog's name was Buddy. And so he's skating by the bench and out of nowhere he hears, Buddy's a homosexual. And he goes, that's just, he, he didn't know how to respond to that because it's like, it's a dog. <laughs> like what? It, 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 it wasn't offensive by any means, but like, it's a dog. How do you know? How do you chirp
0: a their dog? preference,
1: like yeah, how do you? He goes so that at that his shift was over. He just had to go back to the bench because he lost all focus after that. Because it was just like, don't pick on my dog for they one. But a dog, I mean, come on, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was like, okay, that, that's a good one. Like not in a mean cool. way, just like stating a fact. It's like, all right, well done. <laughs> um, yeah, the, those those are always the good ones. But uh, we've been talking a while. I thank you for your time. Uh, it's been fun chatting. Uh, when the game brings you through Minneapolis, or uh, let me know. Or if you're going to be out in Raleigh for that outdoor game, let me know. We'll, we'll try and uh, connect.
0: Yeah, for sure. I got your info. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, it's it's been fun, and we'll, we'll keep in touch.
0: Sounds good. Thanks for having All me. All right. Thank you. Okay. All
1: right. Bye now. Take care. It was so fun talking to Olaf, and I can't thank him enough for his time. Who knows, maybe we'll continue the conversation over beers and Raleigh in February at the Stadium Series game. Be sure to follow Olaf on Twitter, simply at Kolzig and on Instagram at OliKolzig37. But he hasn't been active on Instagram for quite some time. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Washup Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my Beer League Hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some washup Up Goalie or Tindy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of Beer League players talk Beer League hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Blues Hockey Podcast, the Bolts Broadcast Podcast, and the Canucks Weekly Podcast can be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly, the magazine takes a deep dive into an 80s or 90s-era goalie, and in the first five issues, they've covered Felix Potvin, Grant Fuhr, Tim Shevelday, Jocelyn Ball. Ken Reggett, John Van Beesbrook, and episode 20 guest, mask Painter, Don Strauss. The latest issue has been fantastic, reading about Darren Poopa. I need to thank the band Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to, and it's getting a little hard these days. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. And let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck.